0: I remember what I announced last weekend, but we will be having a collection for the victims of the hurricane in Louisiana and Texas. And uh, there is no collection, as you well know. There's no baskets going around. So if you are going to contribute, it goes into the boxes at the doorways and with your offertory but make sure that your check is either labeled Hurricane, or it's in an envelope that says Hurricane Victims, and will go to the right place. So, if I mentioned it to you last week, well, that's what we're doing. If I didn't mention it to you last week, then you know for next week what to do. My dear friends, the word of God this morning is a very challenging word. First and foremost, the first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel is is really an address to myself as a priest and and the hierarchy of the Church. If I tell the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way, the wicked shall die in guilt. But I will hold you responsible for his death. Should I not preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I will be held culpable before Almighty God as to your ignorance, as to you doing what you should not be doing. Now sadly, in our modern, over the past 60 years, the Church hierarchy and clergy has been silent on many issues containing morality. And when the Church steps back, other things step in. And what we have seen in our recent years is that morality has been regulated into the political order. So if you speak the gospel truth, you are accused as a priest of promoting a particular political party, which is outrageous. It is outrageous to think that when you preach on moral truth, that you are endorsing a political candidate. However, the Church has failed to preach on moral truth, and so we're stuck in this miserable mess which we're currently in. Where we have Catholics misguided, confused, and don't know what they're doing. Consciences are not formed properly, and being formed by the world, world and not the Word of God. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not prepared, I'm done. I am done pussyfooting around issues. I am done trying to placate the truth. I am going to be forthright and forward, from this point forward. And you're not going to like what you're going to have to hear, necessarily, because it contradicts what the world tells us. It contradicts certain political parties. It contradicts even our own belief and upbringing. But we must align ourselves to the Word of God, which is why I give you homework reading the Scriptures. Now remember, you have to read the book of Jeremiah. If you haven't finished it, you have three more weeks, because it's going to come back again in our readings. But today we have a little break from Ezekiel. But I would like to read to you something from Pope Saint John Paul II. In his encyclical letter, Christi Fidelis Laici. Now first, we have to understand what an encyclical is. An encyclical is part of the ordinary magisterium of the Church. It is the ordinary teaching of what we as Catholics believe. And an encyclical is issued by a pontiff when there is confusion or lack of clarity on a particular issue. So in Christi Fidelis Laici, there was a confusion about the role of the lay people in the church, what your role was. And so John Paul II put out this encyclical letter to clarify and to point out to help you better know what your role is as members of the church. But in paragraph 38, he states something very interesting which all of us must hear. The inviolability of the person, which is a reflection of the absolute inviolability of God, finds its primary and fundamental expression in the inviolability of human life. Above all, the common outcry which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, the right to home, The right to work, the right to family, the right to culture, is false and illusory if the right to life, the most basic fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights, is not defended with maximum determination. Now sadly, there are men out there who wear a collar who are on Twitter and social media media who contradict what our holy father Pope Saint John Paul II said. What he is saying, my brothers and sisters, health care, housing, all these rights and all these things which are important and good have no bearing. If the right to life, the most vulnerable in the womb of a mother is not protected. Because you and I who are alive, we have an ability and a voice. We can speak. We can can protest. We can do things to help the society better understand our situation and plight. The unborn has no one. And even Sally, the mother who should be most concerned, even in situations, she's not. Because, as St. Paul tells us, what does St. Paul tell us? He tells us, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love. Love is the paramount reality of you and I as Christians. But we live in a time after, sad to say, some of you out there, Power, power 60 people, you ruined love. You ruined the proper understanding of love. And so now love has been relegated to selfish desire. Me, myself, and I. Love has an aspect of the subjective. But love also has an objective reality. It has the objective reality that I live for the other, and not myself. So what the world tells us is acceptable as loving today. Masturbation, pornography, cohabitation, homosexual practice, contraception, abortion, euthanasia. That is not love. It may come across as it in the beginning, but that and these our sins out of the bowels of hell. It is the Prince of Lies who tries to make us believe that this is good and necessary. It is not. It is selfish. The fact that this country murders innocent life, and we think we have a right to anything, is unbelievable. We, brothers and sisters, who legalize killing of innocent children, the most vulnerable spot, we have a right to nothing. This is what Jeremiah was pointing out as you're reading him. This is the message he got from Jeremiah, the Lord, shape up or ship out. Basically, that was God's word. Get your act together. My covenant has a priority. You don't follow, there's consequence. We don't follow the covenant. We don't stay faithful to the Gospel message. And there are consequences. There are consequences in which we see happening throughout the world today, and especially in our own country. In our own country where we have people, we have people who think protesting is destruction of property. And we have those who are in authority in government and positions to think that that is okay. And should you speak out against it, then you're accused of being against what they're standing up for. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The world has lost its mind. Or maybe the world has ended and I'm just left behind. I don't know. But there's something wrong. There is something wrong, and if we do not recognize that, we're in trouble. We're in trouble if we don't realize that there's a problem in the world. I mean, did you see the news of the, one of those Antifa members who was arrested? I mean, here this, this interesting looking person, I don't know what kind of what he, what his look was trying to be, he looked like he could be Longstocking, I don't know, with a <laughs> flamethrower, is arrested, and what happens? You see, it's on video, I'm not making this up, I thought it was back He's on the floor in a fetal position, crying hysterically. This man, and he has a record of causing violence within peaceful protests. And yet when he's arrested, he's crying like a big baby. And we see nothing wrong with that. How can we not see something wrong with that? How can our governments allow this to take place and happen? And yet it is, because you and I are not saying anything. You and I do not recognize what? Hello, did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus, remember, Jesus ups the ante to the government. So where Ezekiel was referring to you and to me and the hierarchy, Pope, Bishops, Clergy, Jesus ups the ante. Because in through our baptism we are baptized into Christ <coughs> prophet, priest, king. So therefore, now, not only do I have that obligation, but you have that obligation. You have that obligation of fraternal correction out of love. Out of love, because you desire all who God created to be with Him forever in heaven. So you desire yourself and those around you to be in heaven. So if that's not why you're doing fraternal correction, If you're not doing it so that the person comes to their senses and understands what is right and wrong so that they can be converted, then don't speak. If your intention is to be condemning and to damn to hell, don't speak. Because that's not why we speak. Because Jesus even goes on to quote out that if they don't listen to you, if they don't listen to you and other people, witnesses, if they don't listen to the church, then treat them like a tax collector. Now, even within the church, we have what is referred to as excommunication, where the person is ex, Latin, out, of communion. Excommunication is not a punishment on the person. It is a reality that the person's behavior or belief is not in union with the communion of believers, and it is an opportunity for them to to step back and realize what they're doing. Excommunication is a modern way of saying, time out. A child gets out of control, you you put them in time out. You put them in the corner, and you make them think about what they've done. So that they come to their senses, and then come back and say they're sorry. So, they can get back into the unity of the family. That is what an excommunication is. And that is what the church, that as our mother, the church desires, that is the purpose of it. However, in our modern understanding of excommunication, we see this as a big punishment. It's not a punishment in the sense of total exclusion, it is a punishment in the sense of waking you up. Now, my day, we had a little belt, or a little slipper, or a little something that was more emphatic of waking us up quicker than a time out. Maybe, maybe, and I know I'm gonna get hate mail, but I'm gonna say it anyway, maybe, what we're dealing with in our modern world is the reality of timeout and not a swift kick. But that's another <laughs> <been a compliment. laughs> problem. That's another homily. So, my dear, my dear friends, what we must understand is that we are called. We are called to align ourselves to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Being a Christian and a follower of the Lord is not an easy task. It causes us to die to ourselves and those, sinf- those selfish dispositions that we all possess from the woundedness of original sin those selfish dispositions that's me, myself, and I. And what we have to do, especially when we're going to the voting booths, is we have to align ourselves in conscience with what is true. What is true, and recognizing that certain things hold more weight. The sanctity and dignity of human life in the womb of a mother carries more weight than health care more weight than immigration. Carries more weight than what the world tells us is more important. And sadly, sadly, we have met, we have blurred our distinctions, thanks to in the Catholic Church, certain men in the hierarchy. Cardinal Bernardin of Chicago. What did Cardinal Bernardin of Chicago do in the 1980s, when the move, when the pro-life movement was really kicking off? he talked about and preached a seamless garment, a seamless garment indicating that there are multiple issues of life that all have the same weight. The Pope, the official teacher of faith and morals, Pope St. John Paul II, and Christi Fidelis clears up that confusion to point out that no, all aspects of life don't have the same weight. Certain aspects of life have greater weight than others. Certain aspects of life have a greater urgency than other aspects of life. Now, that doesn't mean we throw all the aspects of life in the, in the toilet, but it necessitates that you and I, in conscience, must have our conscience formed in the proper manner. So that when we go and vote, we can vote with intelligence and in faith. Not by just what the world says is who we should vote for. Not by voting for personalities. And if you don't uh, yesterday we saw the movie the movie we played here. Which we had a very nice turnout, and we were indoors with air conditioning, thanks be to God. I do not like heat or mosquitoes. And so, however, what did our lady tell the children of Fatima? She told the children of Fatima, pray. Pray the rosary every day. Pray the rosary every day for peace in our world, for peace in our homes, for peace in our own lives. And even with that message in 1917, there are still Catholics who don't pray the rosary. No, oh, do not pray the rosary, which but boggles my mind, boggles my mind. When I'm having my nice little swimming in Manhattan after my dinner, and I'm thinking about worldly events, it boggles my mind. How? How can people not heed the message of our Blessed Mother? And we wonder why the world looks like it does. And so therefore, if you don't have your rosary beads with you when you're going to vote, when you're going into that voting booth and pushing your levers, then you're, you're in trouble. In fact, you're not in trouble, you're insane. Because you need, and more than ever, as we continue in this world, we need God with us in the voting booth. And yet we try to just say, what does the devil try to do? The devil tells us what? There's a separation of church and state. So I'm going to get a whole slew of hate mail, because what I'm talking about here is going to be accused of politics. Where it's not political what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about the moral virtues that we are to hold and to carry, that we are to align ourselves to, which as a priest is my responsibility, because I am not going to hell for not telling you the truth. Because that's exactly what the Word of God says. If I keep my mouth shut, because I don't want to offend anyone, because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, because I don't want to be controversial, then I am held accountable for your sin. I have enough sin on my own, I don't need all of yours added to it. I need all the help I can get to get to heaven. And so therefore, I cannot keep my mouth shut. We are to go back to what, what Jeremiah last week, remember? Remember Jeremiah, my favorite prophet, chapter 20? Have you gotten there yet? We heard it last week. And you should, you should read it every day, chapter 20, over and over. You duped me, O Lord, and I allowed myself to be duped. I cannot help. I wish not to speak of you, but, but burning desire is within me that I cannot keep silent. So ladies and gentlemen, Father Pecci cannot keep silent anymore. If you thought, I wasn't silent before, well then, buckle up, because it's going to get far worse. Because my brothers and sisters in Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ, on a closing note, if you do not recognize that there is something happening in this world, if you do not recognize and read the signs of the times, like Jesus calls us to, a day of reckoning is coming. A day of reckoning is coming, not for us to be fearful in trepidation, but for us to be wide wide awake and prepared, and prepared for what is to come. There are consequences. There are consequences for the millions of innocent life that has been lost with the legalization of abortion. There are consequences. This isn't Father Petchi waking up in a bad mood. This is the word of God that tells us. There are consequences for failing to live, as God calls us to. And we have endorsed, brothers and sisters, murder. We have endorsed as law and broke the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And we think we're gonna there's not gonna be a consequence to that? We better wake up. St. John the Baptist, a voice that cries out in the wilderness. So I'm prepared to be that voice that cries out in the wilderness. I'm prepared on live stream to be a voice that cries out in the wilderness. And I might be in the wilderness. Who knows? I might be in 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 the penalty box uh, soon and won't be able to speak from this pulpit anymore. However, even if I'm in jail, I'm a New Yorker. I'm loud, and you'll hear me. Because even in jail will keep me silent. Because, my brothers and sisters, the truth must be known. We have a God who loves us, a God who saves us, a God who died for us to show us how much we lo- he loves us. And so, therefore, we, in turn, must show our love for him by dying to self. By saying, yes, Lord, I love you for dying for me, and because you died for me, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die for the selfishness in my heart. I'm going to die for what the world says is good. And I'm going to live by what you say in the gospel is good. Because it is only you who can give me eternal life. It is only you who can bring me through death into life. So my dear friends, we have a choice to make. We have an obligation. We have discernment to make. We must look to the Lord as our inspiration, our strength, our hope, our love. We must motivate ourselves to act and to speak in love, and only love. New challenge for all of you. I wish it was Lent. Well, we didn't really have a Lent because we we got disconnected because of the pandemic. So, and I'm extending Lent earlier. So I'm giving you a penance. My penance to you is this. Do not, do not do not, under any circumstance, respond to a tweet, to a Facebook a Facebook post, or anything. Do not do it. Because nine times out of the ten, you do it not out of love, but out of anger. You do it and you spew a, a, a continued mentality of evil. And Facebook, social media, is destroying our social ability to interact with one another. Because when things get too much on Facebook, you just unfriend. You can't unfriend your neighbor. You can't unfriend your aunt, your uncle, your cousin. You can't unfriend them. You have to learn how to live with them in peace, and speaking the truth in love. Not easy. Go ask for it. I'll be the first one to raise your hand my hand. I didn't ask for it. I don't want to do it. Now, whereas I have an advantage to you, is that I'm the crazy priest of the family. So it's like, oh, there's Father again. There goes Paul again doing what he's supposed to be doing. Whereas for you, it's a little bit more challenging. However, we all have to do it. So, my brothers and sisters, as we continue this Mass, we rejoice in your glad. We have a God who loves us, a God who saves us, a God who doesn't leave us orphaned, but gives us everything we need to live as He calls us to. He gives us His Word to eat and digest. He gives us His life in the sacraments of the Eucharist to consume and to be strengthened. Let us pray that you and I will become another Christ for the world, the world that cries out to know Jesus Christ, His love for us, and His love for each of us personally and let us repent of our sinfulness, of our failure to love as He calls us to love, and let us trust in His mercy and forgiveness. My dear friends in Christ, we have an awesome God. We have an awesome God, and I think it's time for you and I to try to imitate that awesomeness of God by what we say and what we do, being those living witnesses that Jesus needs us to be to this world of hatred, of division, that leads to know God's love and mercy. Praise be Jesus Christ, near the Father, of the Son, and the